Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Celebrate. It is great to be together, and welcome as we start a new series called Marked. We just finished a Christmas series, and I am so appreciative of Pastor Keith for me personally helping to flip the script on what Christmas is all about and that the birth of Jesus is not the end of anything, it's the beginning of everything, amen? And so if you'd open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel 16, 1 Samuel 16, while you're doing that, let me go ahead and address the elephant on my arm. I tore my rotator cuff, had surgery about five weeks ago, and so this is my best friend for a, a little while, and it's my own fault. I love to work out at the gym, and so I was working out, and I, I, I knew it. I should not have been curling 500 pounds. I know it. It's my own fault. But hey, when life uh, gives you lemons, what do you do? Make lemonade, absolutely. So here's what I'm going to do over the next nine months while this is rehabbing. I've decided I'm going to focus on my legs because not one of you has ever commented how good-looking my legs are. And so I'm going old school. I got my buns of steel video. I got my leg exercises, and you're going to see some good-looking legs over the months ahead. I'm just telling you that right now. Well, let's move to something a little bit more helpful. We are enamored in this country with success. I mean, there's books, there's articles, there's podcasts, there's, there's coaching, there's conferences. Everybody wants success, but what is the secret of success? I ask the question because it seems like everybody's chasing it. The late Paul Harvey said that when you fail, you get back up, and that was his definition of success. Race car driver Bill Vukovic said, success is very simple. You put the foot on the accelerator as hard as you can, and you turn left. That was success for him. For some people in the athletic realm, maybe success is the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl or, or an Olympic medal or maybe in the World Series. Maybe for a performer, it's winning a Grammy or an Oscar, something like that. Maybe for you or others, it's, it's the amount of money you make or the home or homes that you have. That is success for you. There's a story of a young German student who came over for a period of time to the United States, and his host took him to a baseball game. He'd never seen a baseball game before, and so they're enjoying the baseball game, and comes the bottom of the inning, and a player from the home team hits the ball out of the park, home run, and the crowd goes nuts. But the German student's perplexed. He turns to his host, he says, I don't get it. Why are they cheering? They just lost the ball. I say that to say this. I think we've lost the ball on what success is because how we look at it is way different than how God looks at it. But there is a secret to success. A mentor of mine a number of years ago made this statement. He said, Reed, if you want to succeed at anything in life, anything at all, it's very simple. Study everything the average person does. Study everything about them and then do the exact opposite. A lot of truth in that. Let me show you what I mean by that. Let's say that we take the game of golf. How many of you have ever golfed before? Okay. How many of you would claim yourself to be a lousy golfer? Okay. I, I'm a lousy golfer. Okay. They ask me if I golf. Yeah. Do you hunt and fish? Every time I golf. Okay. That's, that's my golf game. If I want to succeed at golf, there is a process. There is a line you go. The first thing that you do is you get a coach. Then with that coach, then you practice. And if the coach says, then you get new golf clubs. 
That is the order of success if you want to succeed at golfing. Now, let me ask you this. What does the average person do first if they want to improve their golf game? They go this route. They get new clubs. They don't practice anymore, never get a coach. And then they wonder why a lousy golfer with new golf clubs is a lousy golfer. That's what it is. It's the same line. It's just the difference of direction. Let's take the aspect of money. If we want to succeed financially, it's very simple. Number one, the first thing you do is you give the first 10% away. The Bible calls it tithing. The second thing you do is you save the next 10%. And then what you do is you live on 80%. That is how you succeed in finances. What does the average person do first with all their money? They go, this route, spend 110%, save nothing, give nothing, and they wonder why they're always broke. There's a line of success and a line of failure. You study everything the average person does, and you do the exact opposite. It's interesting that Pastor Keith, in his Christmas series, he, he gave them understanding that Jesus Christ came for, to, to turn everything inside out. And that's good news, because our world is all outside in. See, we all have desires in our hearts, desire to be loved, okay, to be approved, to be validated, okay, to be, understand that there's a purpose to our life, uh, even success itself, to be successful. And what happens is the average person, they try to achieve those outside in. So the relationship I finally found the one I've been looking for. And they make me feel loved. If I'd only found this person before. Or now finally I have a boss. Finally I have a boss that appreciates me. Finally someone appreciates me and now I feel approved. Or finally I've been given an opportunity and I'm validated. Even success, success. We look at it, we, we do it here, because if we succeed out here, then we must be a success in here. So we look at the outside, and man, if I can just get it all, or have it all, or, or do and accomplish all the things I've ever wanted, and, and if I have a great following on Facebook, and I have a great following, a lot of people look at me, then I must be successful, right? No. Because every time you go outside in, it will solve it temporarily, not long-term. That's why I would say, you've heard me say it many times, if you want to be happy, get married for a week. You'll be very happy for a week because it never does it long term. The secret to success is inside out, not outside in. And that's why today we want to look at the life of David because David was a man who lived his life inside out. First Samuel 16, you're introduced to David, and most of you know the story, the fact that he's introduced as a young boy. Samuel is the prophet. King Saul was the king, and of course he disobeyed God, so God said, nope, no longer I have another person for you to anoint, Samuel, another king for you to anoint, and he's in the house of Jesse. Jesse's the dad, so go to the house of Jesse, and Jesse, one by one, brings all of his sons, starting with the oldest, all down, and God says, nope, 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 and finally... Samuel goes, this is it? You got any other son? Well, I got this little kid yet, this young boy. He's out tending the sheep. Let's bring him in. And God says, that's him. And Samuel goes, what? And then God gives this verse, which I think is fabulous. It's in chapter 16, verse 7, okay? In fact, if you would, I want us to read this one together. Would you read it with me? Here we go. 
The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. The what? The heart. In fact, turn to someone on both sides right now and say, how's your heart? Just ask him real quick. How's your heart? Joe Stowell is an author. In his book, Fan the Flame, he says this. The heart is used in Scripture, and it's interesting, the word heart in the Bible is used 725 times in the Bible. He says the the heart is used in Scripture as the most comprehensive term for the authentic person. It's a part of our being where we desire, deliberate, and decide. It's been described as the place of consciousness and the decisive spiritual activity. It is the center of of a person, the place to which God always goes. It's God's secret to success inside out. That's why Solomon wrote in the book of Proverbs, this verse, it's great. Above all else, guard your what? Now listen to it, for how much? Everything, says for everything you do will, and now catch this, flows from it, inside out. Everything you do flows from it. The secret to success. See, David was a man of great success. (laughs) He was also a man of great failure. But he understood the secret to success. That's why in the book of Acts, it says this. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Say heart. Heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Heart disease is actually the number one cause of death of Americans in spite of COVID and all this kind of thing. In fact, one out of four Americans die of heart disease. Now, there's different types of heart disease. The most common is called coronary artery disease. It's the one that leads to most heart attacks. Now, I'm familiar with this because heart disease runs in my family. My dad died of heart disease. He had two open heart surgeries in his 50s. He died of a heart attack at age 65. My sisters had a heart attack and uncles have. So I'm very aware of it. And I, on a regular basis, take tests to see how is my heart doing. It's a good thing to do. The spiritual heart is the same way though. We have to take tests to determine how is our spiritual heart. So today what I want us to do is I want us to look at three tests that God allows for us to really test. Do we have a heart for him, a heart that's inside out in that way? So let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for your word. We love you with all of our heart. But God, our heart It can be wicked, it can be deceitful, it can be diseased. God, would you examine our hearts today? We want a heart that is pure, a heart that's healthy, a heart that is a heart like yours, a heart like David's. So God, examine our hearts, show us what we need. And all God's people said, if you have notes, the first heart test is this, sin. Say that word, sin. How many of you have ever sinned before in your life? Okay, now if you didn't raise your hand, you just lied, which means you sinned. So, room full of sinners. Seems to be a universal problem. The problem is, what do you and I do with sin, though, when it happens? Inside out or outside in? What does the average person do? Outside in. What does that mean? Well, when I sin, if I'm outside in, then I I do things like I deny it. Well, no, no, that, that's not what happened. That's not really what took place. That, that's not what I was thinking at all. I was not intending that. No, that's an 
or we excuse it. We excuse it. And well, listen, it's not that, I mean, come on, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, really, are you, are you really? I, well, but this happened, and because of that, I had to do this. I had to, okay? And we excuse it in different ways, shape, forms. Because in today's economy, it just doesn't make sense. If we're trying to get a house for the person I'm going to marry, we, we, have, we need to live together because there's no way we could do it without finding find it. We just can't. We excuse it or we blame it. Uh, we're all good at blaming, are we? It's because of, because of, because of my dysfunctional family, because of my mother, my dad, da 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 and we blame it. We try to move it outside in, but it never solves the issue because the issue only is resolved inside out. What does that mean? When we sin, we own it. We own it. We say, mine. Totally mine. We confess. We, we repent of it. There's a story of a, of a baseball manager who was so frustrated with his center fielder that he finally benched his center fielder and said, sit down here, I'm going to play center field. So he went out there and the first thing he was hit to him, it took a bad hop and hit him right in the mouth. The ball did. The next one, he misjudged and it hit him right in the head. The other one he lost in the sun, hit him right in the eye. He was so mad he went back to the dugout, threw his glove back and looked at his center fielder and said, you have messed it up so bad, even I can't play out there. We like to blame. But David didn't do that. If you know David, his most obvious sin that's recorded is that he had an affair with Bathsheba and then to try to cover it up, had her husband killed. But yet, he didn't blame, he didn't deny. He was king. He could have. He could have. No. He had a repentant heart. That's what it means to have a, a heart that's inside, a repentant heart. In fact, Second Samuel says this when the prophet Nathan confronts David with the sin, he has one sentence response, I have sinned against the Lord. That's his one response. God hates sin, and David knew that, but it mattered. I mean, Paul asked a question, he says, should we just keep going on sinning so that we can experience God's grace over and over again? He says, no, of course you don't do that. David was a king, he was a writer, he was a great leader. I don't identify with any of those. <laughs> but he was also a liar, a betrayer, an adulterer. I relate to those. I do. But yet it says, God says he's a man after my own heart. Why? Why? And I think this is key because it wasn't that David was perfect. No. It was that he was repentant and he was broken when he did sin. In fact, it says this in Psalm 51, 17. It says this, for the Lord will never reject a broken heart. Say that with me. A heart, a broken heart. In fact, if you do have your Bible, turn to Psalm 51, would you? Psalm 51. This is David's prayer after he had his sin with Bathsheba. This is a prayer. Just look at it. Psalm 51. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just catch a little bit of this. Verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, and according to your unfailing love, According to your great compassion, block out my iniquities and my transgressions. And says these, verse 2, he says, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression, my sins always before me against you. You only have a sin and done evil in your sight. Then look at verse 7. Cleanse me with his, I'll be clean. Wash me, I'll be whiter than snow. Verse 10, create in me a pure heart of God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And he goes on and on. See, he understood that the key was a broken heart. I read about a man who gave up everything for God and still found no peace. And he 
prayed to God and he said, God, I don't understand. He said, I've given you everything. And God said, well, you have everything but one. He said, what haven't I given up? He said, your sin. How about you and I? Is there anything that we have not confessed before God that we've been holding back because we're still denying it or we're excusing it, we're blaming it? Instead of coming before God and saying, God, I, I have sinned. I repent. I, I don't care what they did to me. I know what my response was. And that was wrong on my end. See, when you and I sin, do we go inside out or outside in? Jesus was born to turn us inside out. When we do that, we have a heart that Jesus had. And that means we're on the road to success. So the first heart test is sin. Here's the second heart test. And man, do we have a lot of this. Stress. It's a heart test. Stress. In fact, if you have a physical heart condition, you'll go to the doctor and they might do a stress what? A test. Absolutely, that's what happens. We've all been stressed. I, I, although I say this, I sometimes say that. I don't really have stress. I cause it. So I, I don't really carry it that much myself. And ladies, I'm just going to go ahead and apologize on behalf of all the men here. We understand we are the problems for almost all of your stress. <laughs> we admit it. Okay? We admit it. I mean, just think of the names low. Men, a pause. Men, stration. Him, a roids. His, direct me. I mean... It's our fault. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it is a big deal. Think about this. According to Reader's Digest, stress is the number one medical problem in our country today. Catch this. According to the American Institute on Stress, it says that 90% of all visits to a primary care physician are stress-related. Very interesting. 80% of the sick days taken at work are in lieu of stress. In fact, a leading psychologist said it this way. Stress is one of the most urgent problems of our time, and anxiety now has become the official emotion of our day. It's true. You want some facts to back it up? Here's a poll that was done by an organization. The organization is called One Poll recently in America. Here's their stats. 51% of Americans are currently stressed out by work and money worries. 37% said that health issues are a major stress to them. 29% said that social media is causing them distress. And 32% say that climate change is stressing them out. But catch these. 66% of all Americans, two out of every three Americans, say that they are so stressed right now, it's caused them to be less productive at work. In fact, 68% of all Americans says they're at the highest stress level they've ever been in their life. And the same round said that they don't see it getting any less. It's all around us. In fact, dealing with stress can be problematic as 69% of all respondents said that they turned to unhealthy coping mechanisms. In fact, it's even pricey. The average American spends $1,000 plus a year on things to try to relieve stress. Now, if you're on social media or anything related to that, you maybe have seen some of these. I want to highlight some of the things that you can now use to help you eliminate some stress, okay? One of them is sleep, okay? There's a lot of people who haven't been able to sleep. So there are kind of, if you want to show them the screen, there's sleep helps, okay? Different things to help you fall asleep. Why? Because there's so much stress, you need some help to fall asleep. Now, for some, stress causes headaches. So here's a new tool that you can use. It's a headache cap. I didn't know there was such a thing, okay? A headache cap that you wear if you have a headache, which I thought in your marriage, if you go, nah, I have a headache, just give them a cap. Bang, that solves that. I'm, I'm fired up about that one personally, okay? Now, here's another one. 
that I, I've not tried to think this in. It's called the calming companion. The calming companion. Now, if you're a single man, it is not the woman on the picture, okay? It's the device she's holding that if you breathe into it, it will calm you down, I guess. Something like that, okay? Now, I'm sorry. This next one, I don't get. I just don't get this next one. An anxiety vest for a dog? I mean, well, first of all, quit eating poop. I mean, that would eliminate a lot of stress right there if I were a dog. I mean, my land. Really? An anxiety vest? Well, I guess. Okay. Now, if there is one, the last one I would say this. This one is actually, I think, worth considering. Okay? One of these massage chairs. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I've seen some of you in these furniture stores. You're out looking for furniture while you sit in that thing for an hour and a half. I've seen you. Okay? Catch the description of this one. There are nine distinct 3D massage styles incorporated into this chair, such as kneading, knocking, acupressure, tapping, rolling, pushing, compression, tracking, and tie stretching. These roller massages target your neck, shoulders, back, hips, and waist, but I like this. You can also relax your sore bottom with nine built-in airbags which apply kneading in your seat. Bang! You can have that for only $29,999 on sale, actually on sale for $12,500. There you go. There's your answer. Stress. You know what's interesting? The definition of stress, the word itself means this, to strangle or to choke. That's what the word stress means, to strangle or to choke. You ever ever felt that way or wanted to do that uh, to somebody? See, in the human heart, the artery gets clogged. The spiritual heart gets clogged as well. David had stress. My word. Had to run for his life from his best friend, the king's son. Even though he loved Jonathan, it was all his heart. But to save his life, he had to run away and never see him again. His own son raped his own daughter. Another son killed the son for doing it. Another son tried to take over his kingdom and had had to flee for his life. David understood stress. But how did David handle stress inside out? He had a trusting and obedient heart. That was his understanding, a trusting and obedient heart. In fact, Psalm 73 says this, My mind and my body may grow weak, but God is my source of strength. He is all that I need. Then in Psalm 118, it says this, In all my distress, I prayed to the Lord. He answered and he rescued me. How can I be afraid? See, I don't know what's going on in your life over the last week or the last months or even this last year, and it might have been a very, very hard time for you. It might be physical, it might be emotional, it might be financial, it might be a variety of things. But the question is, which way are you going? Because David understood that. In fact, David said this way, in you, O Lord, I put my trust. When we talk about stress, how, do mo- how does the average person live, inside out or outside in? Outside in. See, because we do all the things like I showed you to try to relieve stress. We medicate. We um, overeat. We overspend. We throw ourselves into social media. We do a variety of things. And, and in fact, we try to escape. That's a big one. We all try to escape. We, we binge watch Netflix. And we just try to escape. We just need to get away from it. it escapes are interesting things. Let's say that you and I were in the South Dakota Penitentiary together, and we were, we were cellmates, and we both escaped. Right here in January, we both escaped, okay? I escape, and I go to Barrow, Alaska, which right now at this time of the year is 20 hours of darkness and an average wind chill of 30 below, 
Okay, that's where I go. You go to Maui, Hawaii. Now, yours was a good escape. Mine was a bad escape, but either way, it's a what? It's an escape. And an escape is always a way to try to solve an inner heart issue from an outside mechanism. And we sometimes do good escapes. We're workaholics. Oh, because why? We get affirmation. We get applause. a boy. We get promotions for that. Absolutely. Or we throw ourselves in men. We just scroll on social media because we want to know what's going on. In that, but it's an escape. Or we do other things. We look at porn. We look at gambling. We look at other things. And we try to escape in that way. See, you go inside out instead of outside in. That's why I love Celebrate Recovery because Celebrate Recovery always talks about three habits. If you have a habit, or it's three things, a habit, hurt, or hang up, right? So how many, how many of you have ever had a habit, a hurt, or hang up? Let me see your hands. Okay, great. Friday night, 7 o'clock. Friday night, 7 o'clock. Okay. But when you go inside out, it's a different thing. It says trust. God says trust me. Obey me. Maybe you just need to forgive. Psalm 18.2 says this, the Lord is my rock. In fact, I love this. God says, I want you to escape. I want you to escape, but escape in me. He says this, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge. I escape my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. You know, some years back, some of us will remember this, how you developed a picture is you took it into a room. Do you remember what the room was called? A dark room, absolutely. And you took the negative and you put it in a tray of acid and it would develop. And some of you might think, man, that's how I feel in my life right now. I feel like I'm, I'm in a thing of acid and it's eating me up. Stay the course. Trust God. He's developing you. Have a trusting heart. Live inside out. If you do that, you will have success. So the first heart test is what? Sin. Next one is? Here's the third and last one. Success itself. Success itself, it's, it's a test. I love this quote by Abraham Lincoln. It says this, it says, if you want to test a man, don't give him adversity, give him success. I like that. Winston Churchill used to be the prime minister of England. <laughs> I love this story. He was asked one time, he said, doesn't it thrill you to know that every time you make a speech, the hall is packed to overflowing? Winston Churchill responded, he says, well, he said, that is very flattering. He said, but whenever I feel that way, I always remember that if I was being hanged, the crowd would be twice as big. Good perspective. David had a lot of success. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 18 that in everything David did, he had great success. But he wasn't driven by it. It wasn't his need to try to feel affirmed of that. Instead, David's heart, the heart we have to have, is a humble heart. That's inside out. In fact, Psalm 75 says this, for promotion and power come from nowhere on earth, but only from God. See, you and I can be too big for God to use. The good news, Hill, we'll never be too small. I love that. God looks for someone who has a humble heart. He says, I can use that heart. I read about a pastor once who said, I can never, I was never of any use to God until I found out that God never intended me to be great. Now, we live in a world where everybody wants to be the goat. Now, I don't understand it because goats and sheep are separated at the end. I want to be a sheep. I don't want to be the great one. See, one of the attributes of a, of a humble heart I see is generosity. Because when you have a humble heart, you realize it's 
not yours, it's God's. Everything is, everything is a gift from God, everything. And it's not mine, it's all God's. If I don't give, if I don't tithe, the reality is this, I think it's mine. And God can't use me because I don't have a humble heart. I'm trying to live outside in. See, this is personal to me because this was my life for so long. I, I accepted Christ when I was five years old. My sister led me to Jesus, and all I understood was this. I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> As Pastor Keith talked last weekend, I went off the highway to hell. That's, at age five, that's what I understood. And Jesus is my Savior, and I've always loved Jesus. But man, so much of my life, I went outside in, all the way through. So when sin came, I would justify it because on a rank of sins, it wasn't as bad as and it's not that big of a deal. It's just something. So even in the porn addiction that I had for all those years, I would justify it because I'm not acting it out. I mean, I'm not acting it out. But Jesus says, when you've done it in your heart, you've done it. And I would keep, excuse me, always going outside in, outside in. I could never find peace on it. Stress. <laughs> Man, just busy yourself. You can just busy yourself and get involved in so many things that you don't have to think about it. And so our schedules, we fill our schedules, and that's what I did. With my, I just filled my schedule from morning to night all the way through because I, I didn't want to have to be alone. I didn't want to have to think about it. So I just filled it up, and I got busy. It was a good stress reliever. And it was actually, to be honest, success by other people applauded. Ah, you're doing a great job, Reed. Great job, great job. There's no peace on it because it was outside in. Even success itself, I, man, I look back on it now, and I, I'm a goal setter, so all these different goals I put. And God, why aren't these happening? And I realize that now... God was protecting me from me. He had to beat the reed out of reed. <laughs> because I would have taken success, because I would do it for success and without even meaning to, but I did. I used people, used my spouse, used others to accomplish the goal because we need to hit the goal. And over a period of time, God said, Reed, you don't understand. It's a line of failure and you'll never reach it until you get to the point where I'm not just Savior of your life, I am Lord of your life. And Lord says, it's all yours. It's all yours. No more. Any need I need for approved, it comes from you. Validated, it comes from you. Purpose, it comes from you. It's all there. And then you give it, and I'll give it away to everybody else I can. I'll give it away to everybody else I can. I won't look for anybody else to do that for me. See, maybe you've been in a spot in your life where you've been looking and trying to figure it out, but there's just that it's not there yet. Here's what 2 Chronicles 16 says this. For the eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth, looking for people whose hearts, say the word hearts, are perfect towards him so he can show his great power in helping them. God wants to help you. He wants to do so much in your life. You are marked for success. Everything God created was for success. You're created for success. He's marked you. You're in here, Pastor Keith, talk about it a little this week's ahead. But it starts, but where's your heart at, really? Is your heart outside in and you're still trying to achieve it? If my team, a go team and all that, or is it inside out, really? When it comes to sin, are you broken? When it comes to stress, are you trusting? When it comes to success, are you humble? 
See, when you give you, not just your heart to Jesus to be Savior, but to Lord, here's the great thing. You can't fix your heart anymore. And that's what God had to do with me. He said, Reed, you, you can't fix your heart. You're trying to. You can't fix it. It's a diseased heart. You need a heart transplant. Ezekiel 20, 36 says it this way. I will give you a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. It's a heart marked with love. It's marked with purpose. Last story. Story of a rabbi who was walking with some of his disciples, and the disciples asked him this question. They said, Rabbi, when would be a good time to repent? When would be a good time to repent? He's silent for a moment. He says, the day before you die, that'd be a good, that'd be a good day to repent. They were a little perplexed, and they said, well, Rabbi, none of us know when that day is. Hmm, you're right. Then I think today would be a good day. Have you been living outside in when you really look at it? Trying to fill all the different things in your heart from outside? Today would be a good day to repent and start with a new heart that God can mark and use in ways you could never dream of before. Father God, thank you that you love us so much that you give us a heart test, that you examine our hearts. And maybe there's someone here right now that you've never taken the first step of letting Jesus even be your savior. That'd be the first step for you. It's a simple prayer just in your own heart that says, dear Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, that you accept me into your family. Thank you for that. It's a simple prayer. Maybe some of you have done that, but the reality is you have never made him Lord, at least over everything. There's still things that you hold on to and things that you try to do from the outside in, and you're not finding, finding fulfillment in it. Today's the day to repent and say, okay, God, I give you my whole heart. Everything that there is, I give you my sin. I give you my stress. I give you my desire for success. I give it all to you. God, you take my heart and give me your heart instead. Give me a new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart that lets me love my spouse again, a heart that finds purpose and meaning in loving others and caring for others, that there's meaning in life and giving away to others as well. God, I need that heart. Help me to understand what it means to be marked for you. We love you, we adore you, and all God's people said, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.